0: Hello, movie lovers. Welcome home. My name is Amy Henserling, and you're listening to Watch This List. This is an episode uh, of comfort. Strange comforts, though, uh, because Jerry over here uh, is an unusual bird. Yes. (laughs) That's fair. So uh, I am kind of fresh off of Jerry's third pick, which we are saving for last. I, I watched it last night. In sort of a haze And then this morning rewatched, And now I am very Oh, you disturbed. watched it twice I watched it twice Okay So I'm in a little bit of a weird state uh, To be honest with you uh, But I think it's, it's apropos for what we're going to cover um, But Jerry has chosen Three comfort films One of which it, I would consider normal Yeah, uh, definitely And then it gets a little bit weirder and weirder As we go on uh, so Jerry, I, I think I asked you or like propositioned that you be on the pod quite a long time ago, but we we finally arrived at this moment. It feels victorious.
1: Yeah. And, Dan, Dan yeah. sent me, he forwarded me your invitation because we were talking. Dan Jensen. Yep. Yes. And, uh, I don't, I've never done anything like this. I, and I'm very like, I keep, you know, the anonymous <laughs> online. Typically, uh-huh. even though my full right. name is, is on my... I'm a walking paradox, so... And that goes right fa-
0: Visually, you are in anonymity. Let's yeah. put it that way. But you yeah. put forth some of yourself. I
1: it. put forth more of myself than I probably should in my writing. Uh, or maybe okay. not should, but more than most might.
0: Right. It, it becomes a little bit of a blur between the, the personal diary a- aspect there and are the view
1: yeah, yeah, there are things that are made up so to speak and then there are things that are real and I like to kind of like never say which is which and maybe oh yeah like I used to say sometimes like this is like I would comment I'm one of those people who will comment on my own thing like real quick like, I know it's like a NB mm. but like mm-hmm. yeah I don't know people could just read it and whatever <laughs> they can determine whether it's true or not it's fun
0: okay so you feel like you're there's like an element of like showmanship here
1: a little bit yeah, probably okay. more than I'd like to admit. Subconsciously, okay. I would say definitely. Consciously, no. Consciously <laughs> or a little bit. you
0: are like out there to be authentic and like represent the truth. But then also there's, an, a, there's like an embellishment. I think
1: anyone be. who writes as much on anywhere, whether they're writing novels or writing a blog, which is basically what Letterboxd is, I think that there's uh-huh. a little bit of them that's like, yeah, let me be a showman. Mm. Whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah yeah uh okay so well you've been on there for a long time and then you're also on goodreads because you are you are trying to become or this year you have this year
1: although the last couple months i haven't read a single thing which is embarrassing but i read like Uh. 30 plus books this year and like some of them were upwards of like a thousand pages so i think i'm okay you're proud i'm i am proud because i my grandmother uh she was like a librarian and like an English major and all that. And she always tried mm-hmm. to beat reading into me um, in a good way. That sounds bad. She always tried to just like instill it in me and it uh-huh. never took. Um, but then I just found, you know, found the joys of it. And now I'm like, yeah, I mean, again, apart from the last few months, um, I think I melted yeah, my brain but- with hormone. Yeah. I melted my brain with October. That's why I didn't pick uh. any horror films. If this was a traditional, it would have just been three scary movies from when I was a kid, like Creep Show, Creep Show, probably Dawn of the Dead, and right something Italian.
0: <laughs> well, and you we had talked about this earlier, and you were gonna do like RoboCop. You were thinking Dawn of the Dead. You were gonna do like a genre movie, but instead, yeah. it's kind of veered into uh, yeah. And I think it's probably that freshness. Yeah. You're just like, uh, I am you're burnt out.
1: Friends of Eddie Coyle is the one I've probably known the longest. And I guess we can start talking about that. Yeah, um, go ahead. So I found that movie on off randomly. Um, I used to just scour Amazon for cheap criterions, like whichever were like cheap, like used. Um, uh-huh. And that one was like $10 used. And you're always taking a chance, but I bought it. And didn't know anything about it. Uh, I don't even know if I knew who Robert Mitchum was. I was probably like in my teens, like 15, 16. Just really getting into movies. And then I got it and I watched it. And I was probably really stoned at the time. Um, and <laughs> it really just kind of kind of sunk in. And it still holds up now that I'm not stoned all the not time. Not stoned so, all the yeah.
0: time. <laughs> yeah. This is The Friends of Eddie Coyle, directed by Peter Yates, 1973, it is a uh, sort of a, what would you say? It's a laid back mobster sort of. I would thing.
1: call it the antithesis to your typical Scarface, Goodfellas, Godfather. Godfather. All. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it's made by the guy who did Breaking Away. So it has a little bit of this uh, lackadaisical, sort of leisurely. Yeah. Now, now, did he do the Hot Rock? a good question i don't know i only know I, he did breaking away because that's what i've seen
1: i was gonna say i don't this is one of two that i've never i've not seen any other james benning either and believe it or not uh landscape suicide is his most accessible movie most of them are just landscape shots for like any oh amount my of gosh. time uh, Jerry, but,
0: spo- spoiler alert oh yeah so yeah, that's, well a, that's okay
1: well the good thing is uh, two out of three of these movies you can't spoil I mean maybe long days journey tonight but it's more of an experience it, landscape suicide is unspoilable. Um,
0: yeah it's 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 what i would call an experience. But let's we'll and, get to that. <laughs> yeah we'll get to that. Okay so so sticking with friends of Eddie Quayle, you saw it when you were a teen you bought it on Amazon cheaply you were high and what did it do to you what 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 effect did this have it did the same thing
1: it did the same thing that this is the traditional one it did the same thing that dawn of the dead and creep show and all those old horror movies did um and even like the fugitive is another one despite it being like Mm. raucous, but um yeah no it just made me feel like you know when you're a little bit sick like just a cold like not dying sick and you're in your bed and you're cozy and you have what you need you've got orange juice and everything and you just you start to feel like more cozy than you ever would feel you know like mm-hmm. you've taken the tylenol you're not that sick and you're just like cozied up watching something that's the best way i can describe it
0: for that feeling and, for that and feeling, actually yeah. that that's a great description of comfort movies in general because yep. i uh, other people like have all these definitions of what that even means and i think that's a good example where you're not like fully uh like you're not all there health wise, yeah. but you're like uh, there's there's something about like feeling like you don't have to do your daily activities, like yeah. you're exempt, like
1: exactly because and especially being sick. like if you're young too, like look back when you were young, like your parents would take care of you, you didn't have to get up. Now you have to get up and do it yourself. But you know, really, that feeling of just like you know, you're 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 totally just you can you can fall asleep during the movie too because you've seen it. Yeah, You know, so it's like, it's just that total comforting thing. And also like the score, the setting, uh, not necessarily so much Boston, but like Mm -hmm. the setting as in like, it's like autumn winter thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's really cold. Everybody's cold. Everybody's wearing jackets. It's just cozy. And Mm -hmm. also I think how quiet that movie is, but yet it says so much about that life, uh, which is a life that's always fascinated me maybe because I have distant family members who weren't like those kind of criminals, but just like in some more illicit businesses, you should, you could say so. <laughs> um, but never directly. So it's always been like a fascination to me. Um, I want to say one thing we talked about briefly uh, somewhere. It was in the comments on Letterboxd about Tarantino and yes. this movie. And I yes. think it's interesting to point out that, so this is based on a book. Did you, have you ever read the book?
0: No, but I saw that it was based on a novel.
1: It's yeah. really good. And it's like 100 pages. You can read it in like an afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I read it before I became like an avid reader in an afternoon. Um, and it's really uh, – I mean, I don't remember exactly, but I, it's really loyal to the book. There's a little less racism in the movie, which is nice because, yeah. you know, there's still that. racism in the movie, unfortunately. Uh-huh. But yes. uh, it's the 70s in Boston. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> these aren't good people either. But anyway, the book. So in you talked about Tarantino and the, the character, even though I don't think his name is spoken, the young guy, the gun, the arms dealer is named Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And in Rum Punch, the book that Jackie Brown, the movie is based on. By there Elmore is no, Leonard. Th- by Elmore Leonard, who was in. Inspi- but this is like all ties in. <laughs> Elmore Leonard was really inspired by George Higgins. The uh-huh. author of friends of eddie coil uh-huh. uh so there's that connection but there's also i don't think in rum punch i don't think there's a character named jackie brown
0: right i am pr- pretty sure that's like an infinite infamous yeah tidbit. like
1: yeah like the, he, he, he 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 aped that from friends of eddie coil put it in jackie brown and uh it's one of many times where tarantino has stolen something um uh-huh. for better or worse this case i think better um because friends of eddie coil is awesome
0: Yes. It just sort of sounds like the dialogue that Quentin is attracted to and sort of the cadence of it, the laid-backness. But it's also like this uh, odd small talk vibe, you know, like where they're meeting at the laundromat or they're meeting at at a a restaurant. At an emporium
1: or some random – I love it. It's like almost like Grand Theft Auto. Like you're going and you're doing side quests (laughs) and you're – yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the, and then all these colorful characters, but they're they're colorful, but they also seem like they're people that you could just meet. Yeah. Like, they don't seem outlandish. And you wouldn't
1: know that. I mean, you might get the vibe that, like, these guys are not to be trifled with, but mm-hmm. you wouldn't know that, like, they're, you know, an arms dealer. Uh, a lot. And what I love about this movie, too, is it focuses on, like, the middlemen. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's not like Goodfellas, where... Uh, which I him. love. I don't want to act like I'm crapping on any of these other movies, but it's it's the perfect antithesis to those because, mm-hmm. you know, if this was like an epic Scorsese-ish crime movie, these guys would maybe be like they would be like the guys in Goodfellas who like you remember the round table scene at the beginning where they're introducing everyone and like this is so and so and this is the guy who stutters and all this stuff. That's that would be them. You would never see them again. <laughs> so now they get and, and their they, own movie.
0: They get their own movie. Yeah. It's like a movie for the for the little people, or the like the. But these are the people who do the grunt work, right? Well, I mean, you can't that, really operate yeah. without them. E- but
1: yeah. even Artie Van and Scalise, the 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 bank robber guys, they Me. are they would be like, they would be a little more, you know, going with the Goodfellas thing. They would be featured a couple more times, but not really. Like none of these guys are Henry Hill, or yeah. But they are though, in the sense that they're all rats, except yes. for. Who's the one – yeah, except for the guys who end up going to prison for life.
0: Yeah, sadly. Because, of course. Yes.
1: Because there's no honor. That's the other thing. Uh, this movie shows that there's no honor amongst thieves. There isn't.
0: And, and that everyone's a snitch. Well, you're always going to be out for yourself, right? That's exactly. The point, is the The loyalty factor just is as sort of fantasy. Now, for, for this film, it stars Robert Mitchum. I mean, Robert Mitchum is Eddie Coyle, even though I would say – the movie is not like it's like everybody around Eddie Coyle, and Eddie Coyle is sort of the center, but sort of not in the sense that like this isn't a it isn't structured in such a way. No, that it's is only emphasized. It's almost
1: it. like an Altman movie, although not as like, haha! Look at what I can do with twenty five different people. But I mean, it's it's. It's very like, here we go here, here we go there. And then eventually it all ties together, which is classic, you know, structure. But in this movie, I feel it does it in a way that feels so natural.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And so
1: like, and one thing I love about this movie too, is that it's a
0: who's who of like, I know that guy. Mo Green.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, (laughs) uh, God, who else is in it? Peter
0: Peter Boyle is another one. Peter Boyle.
1: Yes. um, Yeah. I just watched hardcore not too long ago and he's an absolute, everyone's a piece of shit and traitor, but he's a real, you know, he's
0: a real, yeah. But he is quite, uh, practical. Yes. Like I, I love his character in hardcore. Cause he's like, listen, this is the way that it is. And you're going to have to like, get your hands dirty. Stop judging yeah. me.
1: Yeah. He's uh, like, he's like, you're no better than I am.
0: Yeah. you're. Yeah.
1: In fact, I'm, I'm, yeah. Slight tangent, I'm watching Boardwalk Empire for the first time, and Michael oh. Shannon's character,
0: Yes. oh my god, <laughs> uh what's his name van um v-
1: something German yeah, Van something, yeah, yeah.
0: oh my gosh, I've just finished the first forgot. season
1: though, so i i I okay, haven't seen I where he goes
0: anything for you. I have
1: a feeling his arc's gonna I, be insane
0: it is, and I loved boardwalk Empire I, I'm sorry to get off on the standard, but Jimmy is one of my favorite characters in any tv show that i've ever seen in my life and the the first couple of seasons of that show i was just obsessed with it
1: oh yeah michael ben pitt Allen. i always just knew michael pitt is like the guy in the funny games of remake which i don't oh, like like why why yeah. did we do this why did haneke yeah. do this but haneke and then i saw hannibal and i was like okay this guy is not bad and now i'm like mm, okay jimmy jimmy oh my god
0: uh I love him, even though my first exposure to him was The Dreamers. Do you? I haven't that seen that.
1: Isn't that Bertolucci?
0: Oh my gosh! Yes, Jerry. That movie is so. It's well, something yeah, I should have watched a
1: long time ago. I love The Conformist, so but like Bertolucci, okay. I don't know. Last Tango in Paris leaves it. I, I kind of just. I'm like, all right, The Conformist. That's it. I love The Conformist. You can't take that away from me. But other than that, I'm.
0: But I'll watch The Dreamers. Yeah, I've heard it's good. Okay. Now, does he speak yeah. English in that? Michael Pitt. I, I'm almost positive he does, even though, yeah, because Eva Green is in it and she speaks. English. Okay, so it's a that it, movie scarred me for life, though. I will never rewatch that. Yeah,
1: well, I've heard it's yeah. So it's an Italian movie in France with Americans.
0: Is it? I thought it
1: was, I'm just going by who's was, in it, and
0: I thought they spoke French in it. Maybe it's Italian. Maybe they do. I well, know Bertolucci's Italian. It Italian. Yeah, yeah, of course he is. So I'm so. completely f- full of it. I don't. I only remember that. I, I mean, I remember a couple of scenes. <laughs> Okay. And I was way too young. And then when I saw Michael Pitt in Boardwalk, I was like, oh my gosh, it's that guy. With the, uh, but yeah, he redeemed it with Jimmy's character. I also love uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Stephen Graham, who is Al Capone. Oh, what
1: a chameleon oh. he is.
0: It's so good. But he's in the Irishman.
1: Yeah, anyway. All right. Back to Eddie Coyle. My favorite part about Eddie Coyle, other than the (laughs) comfort aspect and like the dialogue. Like I love like how just over it Mitchum's character is. He's just like he gets he's like he gets offered something and he's like, huh? You ever sold guns before? Like he's so over it. And my favorite thing when he does like that is when later they meet at like a bowling alley or something. And He's like, I need dealing. those goddamn guns. And the guy's like, oh, well, get them. And he's like, no, nah, I don't want any shit from you. I don't want it. And it's just, I, I'm so like, there's a part of me that's already reached that point in my life where I'm just like, listen, just no by the ways. Just get me what I need, you know? Or just let's cut to the chase.
0: And you're like in mid 20s and you're yeah. already like, I'm it, the age of, of the arms mansion. dealer guy. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But um, you have the ending. Now, mm-hmm. we can spoil. This is totally spoil, right? Like, Go
0: we can, ahead. I yeah.
1: That ending is one of the greatest endings of all time. It's because And it's a Rorschach test for people. Were you really paying attention? Mm-hmm. Because someone said it, like, I think someone talked about this in, like, a Criterion Closet video. I don't remember who it was, but they said the ending of Eddie Coyle, something to the effect of, if you weren't paying attention, the movie will end and you won't know what happened. Yes. And that's so true. But if you were paying attention, you'll be like oh and then the motif of have a nice day i love it
0: that was your that was your entire review this last time this
1: last time but my yeah. other review a long time ago i showed this movie to my grandma and she liked it but she was like they curse too much and they don't even curse yeah much. i know anyway um yeah it's a show don't tell type of movie you fill mm-hmm. in the pieces um God, but,
0: and it's also Go ahead. It's also got that 70s-ness about it too. I mean, I that that's part of the reason why they curse so much. Like every time I put on a movie with my parents that's from the 70s, my dad's like, "Oh, there's going to be a lot of cursing." Yeah. Even like all the President's men, they just they just start in a different era. I'm watching that next they month. They just oh, so good. Yeah. No, my mom loves I it. I love all the President's yeah. men. Oh, yeah. That's that is a comfort film for me. Like I, I'd turn that on right now. Just
1: just seeing like walking in and out of wherever my mother was watching it. I could tell it's a comfort
0: film. It is. It's very soothing. Uh, oddly, it's soothing to watch like people work in yeah. my opinion. I love journalist movies where people are just like working the whole time.
1: And it doesn't matter what they're working on. Like I'm not, I know. I don't love this movie and it's it's not comforting subject matter wise, but like Spotlight. There's scenes Spotlight. in that movie where you're just like chilling with I these know. people.
0: I feel the same exact way about it. I, I just watching people like be very diligent and like passionate about something they have no home life their relationships are in shambles but like they're working really really hard Was it you
1: called it like proficiency porn know. or something competency. like that competence competency well, same competency time. I always go for literation so in my mind that was but competence that's perfect oh. there's still literation there yeah. there's a p in competency But um competency. uh yeah no I I'm totally with you all the way I'm excited uh to watch that but yeah no um
0: the
1: yeah. Eddie coil is just and then of course the uh, Another scene I love is at the end, well, towards the end, when they they're going to get the, I believe the third in the movie guy, where you know they have their mo, where they go get the banker, they go get his family, you know, they stay, and they're in the house and they've got those funky masks on, and he yeah. goes April Fool, motherfucker, like <laughs> it's just so good. Another thing about this movie is I have a bone to pick with Ben Affleck. I hate Ben Affleck as it is. I'll just put that out there.
0: Oh, a lot of people hate Ben Affleck. I hate Ben Affleck. Affleck.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Ben Affleck hates Ben Affleck. Have you ever seen a picture of him? Uh, you know, Oh God. Uh, I think
0: he's doing well. He's sober. I hope so. I mean, I I hate him, but I don't want him to be.
1: No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's with J-Lo, yeah. you know.
0: He's with J-Lo. Whatever. They get married in like a Las Vegas drive through Go oh ahead, though.
1: With an Elvis impersonator. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. I um, love that we
0: both know that and don't care about There's
1: not him. much love me tender. There's not much tender loving going on in that relationship, I would think, despite the Elvis impersonator that was probably...
0: Okay, but he's a good director, though Jerry. You have to good, like,
1: but I don't like the town because I saw the town. The town is fine. The town ripped this whole movie off. Gone Baby Gone is good. Yeah, Gone Baby Gone is good.
0: Okay, the town ripped this whole movie off. Okay, go ahead.
1: The town ripped this whole movie off.
0: Like intentionally? Do you think intentionally? Oh yeah, it's Boston.
1: So okay, Um, I'll I'll give you two examples. The masks that they wear in the town. Think about the nun masks with the face. It's the same mm-hmm. thing as the first masks they wear in this movie. I mean, isn't they not, they're not nuns, but like the weird, like thing that it does to their face. And then when they walk, the guy, you know, he says, "Get out of the car and walk." That there's that same thing in the town.
0: Okay, there's. A, it also reminds me of the Soderbergh. Um, Oceans. One false move.
1: Oh, one false move.
0: That's not. Is that yeah. Soderbergh? Hmm.
1: Is that the one with Billy Bob Thornton? No. What am I
0: thinking? Are you of? talking about? Uh, Wait a second. No, One False Move with it just came out. Like, Oh, recently. I haven't seen that. Okay. Well, one False and they go into a house and they have masks on. and.
1: Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen this, that one yet.
0: That, that reminded me of Eddie Coyle. Now I don't know what that Billy Bob movie is with. Oh, are you I thinking thought that of was like called, a simple plan?
1: No, I think there's a Billy Bob Thornton movie called One False Move and Bill Paxton's in it and he's really good. Yeah. At it. And it's wait, really grimy.
0: Wait. I'm, I'm wrong about this. Let me look up the Soderbergh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I actually have to stop what I'm doing. Because One False Move is what you're talking about. With, directed by Carl Franklin. Carl is Franklin. Is no, su- no Sudden Move? Is that the one? Maybe. I, I never, ever do this, Jerry. Yes, it is. Okay. okay. No Sudden Move is the Soderbergh movie. So he, he takes uh, some from... Don Cheadle. Yeah, and they're, they're like, they hold a family hostage... And then um, one false movies. You're right. I didn't even hear
1: of that movie. Soderbergh's making a lot of movies, but like all I need is sex, lies, and videotape.
0: Oh, Jerry, that's what we were going to do. Yep. I've never gone on this many tangents with a guest in my life. We should move forward. Friends of Eddie Coyle. No, if Friends of Eddie Coyle is great, Jerry wants you to read the book, and he wants you to see the film. Uh, Both of which are quite relaxing, even though the material in it is fairly violent and pretty high stakes. And and, racist. uh, The
1: book. I have to give that disclaimer.
0: And it's tragic. Okay. Very tragic. Moving on to (laughs) uh, the next one is The Long Day's Journey Into Night, uh, which is from 2018. And you say the director's name, Jerry.
1: Gan B or B Gan or Gan. And, you know, you can pronounce it either way.
0: Also, it has nothing to do with the play. No, no. Even nothing. though it has a exact same title, which is a, an odd choice in my opinion. Uh, but it is not the Eugene O'Neill. No. Uh, tell us, I know why you, uh, I feel like this is like a vibes movie that like I ca- have come to associate with you on Letterboxd. Yeah. That you like things that are kind of dreamy and kind of like, because like only God forgives and stuff like that. You're like a fan.
1: Oh yeah, Too Old to Die Young. Which is, okay, you gotta you. watch that. But no, okay, so Long Day's Journey Into Night, it is a vibey movie, but mm-hmm. it, it's like a transcendent movie. And people overuse that word, but this is a, a movie I would really say is like transcendent
0: in a lot of in ways. In what sense? Okay, so in, in the what? sense
1: that this guy's conscious, on his conscious, so it kind of works for both the character and the movie. So on, on the on the surface, it's just a noir.
0: Mm-hmm yes kind it of feels like a noir yeah
1: yeah it's like a noir meets like tarkovsky like i know you love stalker did you catch what he stole from stalker there with the mm. cup the cup falling off the table
0: oh my gosh well of course i would associate any cup falling off the table with stalker but but, yeah yeah,
1: and long day's journey tonight with the train it was intentional definitely yes. yeah okay uh he's a big he's a big tarkovsky guy um that's cool. But yeah, so on the surface you have this like noir where this guy he's going back to find the the girl, the femme fatale in the green dress and this uh but usually in, you know, just black and white. Uh but then on the it's a story about memory and mm. how it memories lie and how the past becomes jumbled up in our minds and we start to remember things that may not have happened.
0: He has they have a line in there about like movies Movies, yeah,
1: movies, the difference between movies and memories, and this is not an exact quote, but it's like movies always lie, memories mix lies and truth or something like that.
0: Yeah, it was something to that effect because he's like going to see movies, which any movie where people go to see a movie in the movie, automatic points for me. Yeah. I love that. Like true romance opening with – Them talking about movies at the diner Even talking about movies in a movie Who are they talking about Sonny Chiba in that movie Uh, Yeah and uh, Yeah he likes Kung Pao movies And he like was in the theater watching a marathon Yeah Yeah,
1: that true romance is fun That's just
0: Tarantino talking I mean literally
1: That's why uh, Jackie Brown's my favorite Because it's like I mean it's still him But it's like the least him
0: I agree That is my favorite Tarantino And uh, most people don't Accept that when I t- when I say that it's like uh, they're just wrong that, like that. I I agree. The, yeah. you're all wrong. Yeah. if you f- if you think anything else, no. especially if it, it's like oh, pulp fiction. Okay,
1: I pulp fiction is it's good. It's a it's great. It's, it's very good. But the problem but, is, I don't need to hear Tarantino dropping n bombs f- out of his mouth just to be like funny. Like I get that he grew up around black folks and that was the environment that he lived. But come on. We've. It's yeah. a little cringe now. I put that movie on, and I when the Jimmy scene comes, I'm just like, all right, you're. We all get right.
0: it. No, but I mean, it is. It is very cool. I just think Jackie Brown is so. Um, like I love every single character, and like every single character in Jackie Brown could have their own movie, and I would watch that movie. Yeah, that, that's how I feel about
1: it. That movie introduced so, so, me to
0: Robert Forster. Oh yeah, who Jeddah loves. Oh my gosh, if we. If we talk about Robert Forrester, I have to mention her. But, yes, he is uh, – he's just one of those, like – He's such a uh, chill guy. I hope he was that way
1: in real he's life, He's solid.
0: Too. I hope so. It seems like he was because he – I even watched a movie where he was, like, a killer and he was still chill.
1: Oh, yeah, Medium Cool. That's a great Medium one. Medium Cool. Mm. No, he's not a killer in that. He's a – that's no, just, no, no.
0: Which one was, were you talking it was, about? The one that Jetta made me watch. Oh, my gosh, she's going to kill me. Oh, it's, it's like a road trip film. I can't remember the title right of American... I'll have to
1: watch this this because I love him.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's, it's American. She's, she's going to kill me. I'll look this up as well. Okay. But, but uh, it is really good and he still is that sort of solid character. But he's been in like a million movies.
1: Twin Peaks. That's for me. Mm. The return. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And then he's in Mulholland Drive too to. for like two seconds.
0: All right. If we get on, if we get on to Linh, yeah,
1: you, you no, never. Um. So back to <laughs> back to Long, Long Day's Day. Journey. This is a manic podcast, yeah. which is fitting for me. Um,
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm going to look up this film. Yeah. So so with you. with Long Go Day's ahead. Journey,
1: what I was saying before is is if yes. I can catch this thread, it's a movie about memory and the past and dreams, and these are all my favorite things, and I right. I, I love this movie because I don't have I I love that they use. It's such a cliched vessel. It's the woman who got away, and that yes. is not something I have. But I do have a very deep connection to memories and the past, specifically how they influence your subconscious and also how they start to fade with time. Uh, and time, you know, chugs on whether we come or not.
0: Um, I. It also really reminded me of Cowboy Bebop in that sense. I haven't it seen opens that with.
1: Which is so like shameful. It is shameful. It's, it's anime, right? That is,
0: yeah. It, but it is the best anime.
1: I've. I need the to best. see that and uh, the Samurai Champloo because I like the guy who did. Oh, the music. Samurai.
0: Well, it's the same guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, that's just like Spike. Uh, I think her name is Julia. Where he is just reminiscing and he is looking for. It's there's the rose and there's all this. But but Cowboy Bebop has that noir feel. Yeah. The music's fantastic. It's jazzy. It's cool. So that this whole vibe just reminded me of that
1: yeah um, i um but. i think i think i think what the most interesting part about this movie first of all the score is great so you talk about music
0: oh yeah and it reminded me of exotica did it not remind you of exotica a little bit like, and just there's yeah there's like see there's like parts of it that sound like it's in the wild like kind of uh <sighs> I don't know, like you would hear it in the jungle, like a jungle. Yeah, sound? well, just
1: and I like I know you hate the adjuster, but do you remember the score for that at all? It's the same. egoyan just loves those kind of scores. Yes, I don't know it if it's best. like Eastern influence for him. Mm, not just because this know. movie's it makes me from think the of East. Being in a jungle. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but no, the and then like, but not all of it, because if you think about the scene in Long Days, I know where I he's to um, talking to the woman in prison. Yes. It becomes like this Beksinski almost type ambient music and it's just gorgeous.
0: Yeah. And then you almost don't even feel like they're in prison anymore as it goes on. I I felt like I was like hallucinating. In the
1: background, there's like water. Yes. And it's like, that doesn't Mm -hmm. make sense. Why is this happening? I know. Why is this happening? Where am I? While I was watching, I was really thinking to myself, is this one of those movies where like nothing's real? But I don't think that's the case. I think like I was like, oh, is it when he has dark hair? It's all like a fantasy, or, and I don't know yet. I've seen it four times, I don't know. Mm. But there definitely, I think, are times, especially when he has the dark hair when he's younger, that aren't real, right. that are okay. fabrications in his mind, um, that go along with the theme of the unreliability of memory.
0: Um, right. Well, and you have to say that, so, like, the way that this film is structured it's pro- is probably why it's the most known, because, what is it, uh, I think the last... 59 minutes
1: whatever it is yeah the last our, half basically
0: our, our one continuous take it's when the when the title of the movie appears i love a late title drop oh i know i knew you were gonna say it. i knew that without even knowing it jerry i knew you were gonna say that well i love time. uh
1: i'm not gonna try and pronounce his name the thai filmmaker who goes by joe to ignorant <laughs> americans like Memoria. us yes uh-huh. but i haven't seen that. that's actually the only feature of his i haven't seen i've seen all the rest of his features
0: <sighs>
1: um, but I don't get to the theater. That's the problem.
0: I know. Memoria is extraordinary. I've heard.
1: And like, the sound I've heard is just
0: whoa. This is the fourth. Actually, my buddy Adam, who I did the he, Australian Adam Trainer, he told me that I have mentioned Memoria so many times on the podcast. I think this is now my fourth time to mention it. So shout out to Adam. Here's the fourth time. Um, but yes. What were you gonna say? Like tropical malady. Or tropical what? malady what
1: does say? it. Blissfully yours does it. I don't okay. remember if Uncle Boonmee. A lot of his movies do it though. The late title drop. We're
0: late. Uh-huh.
1: And okay. so does Drive My Car. And maybe Happy Hour. Yeah. I don't remember.
0: Yeah. And it's it's kind of cool because it takes you. It's like it takes you out for a second, and and it's like, the, for this movie, I feel like it, it's calling attention to the fact that it is a movie. Because he's in a theater and puts on 3D glasses. And so there's this, like, you need to reassert. Yeah. Oh, this You need to remember what you're doing.
1: This movie is very subtly metafiction all the way. Mm -hmm. Like, the references to Tarkovsky. Like, I've heard that this book or this movie is based on the book Roadside Panic, which is what Stalker is based on. Picnic. Picnic. Panic. Picnic. I don't know for sure because I haven't read it. That's a hard book to get a hold of.
0: Um, Daniel actually read that right before I recorded Stalker, and he said it was it was a lot. It was very different yeah. in tone, I think. Well, and, even though the same people who wrote the book wrote the
1: and then I think Solaris is also dreaming. written by the. He had a Tarkovsky had a relationship with them, I think, but okay. Gan's first movie, Kylie Blues, which I recommend, uh, is also like basically just Roadside Picnic. I've heard uh oh. so he loves that story again i can't speak to how close both of them are because i haven't read it but i've seen stalker i've seen his two movies and um and i can say that but but no we're i'm getting off track with all this uh because oh, i haven't read this book i don't want to talk about a book i haven't read um with Fair. what were you saying before about um this film with how it uh you're talking about sound i'm brain farting here i'm sorry
0: no no what happened so when the title comes That's up That's right the title the, yeah. the character is in the, a movie theater yes. everybody puts on their 3D glasses and then from that point forward which is like I guess part 2 of long day's journey is sort of like a dream Oh
1: it's definitely sequence, a dream
0: sequence and it's definitely like where things that are in front of you don't actually make s- no. sort of narrative sense necessarily, but you have feelings about it.
1: Well, you have feelings, and so what they are is – I'll give you two examples, um, okay. and there are many. Like, I'm giving two of many. So the horse with the apples, which is another Tarkovsky mm-hmm. reference, Ivan's childhood. Um, yep. Yep. So he this uh, well, guy- And
0: also the rotten apples that, that he talks about at the beginning with Wildcats. Yes,
1: and – the more interesting one, which I almost think is Kubrickian in a way, is the. Do you remember where he goes to see? I believe it's Sylvia Chang is the actress, a very famous actress. She plays Wildcat's mother, mm-hmm. and she's dancing to Venga Boys, which I am obsessed with. That scene where she's playing DDR, mm-hmm. and I love that. That's a like perfect use of music. Um, he was in like a techno phase when he made this movie because there's like other like uh east asian techno songs in the movie but uh so that Uh that character that actress she pops up in the dream um Mm -hmm. and do you if you remember she tells a story about how or no he tells a story to her in the first half about how his mother would have a torch to get bees to get honey and if she couldn't get it that's the segue into the great apple scene which we'll talk about it's my favorite scene right um right Later in the dream sequence, she has the torch and she's going to meet some man and it doesn't really make sense, but she's more of his mother in the dream. And except she has the red hair because she says she's going to dye her hair red. But if you look at the gate that she's standing in between her and the guy, it's honeycomb shaped. They're Mm. they're all honeycombs. So it's her Mm. with the torch with the bees. It's just really the detail is...
0: You're like reminding – I feel like we're talking about Mulholland Drive right now. Like, there's some like of that in there. Yeah. Where it's like you could just like sit here and dissect because obviously there is a shift in that film.
1: Yeah. And then – When we go into the blue box. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Took me like three times. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. It, it took he me like three times
1: and, and with Inland Empire – I, which I love. I don't know if you oh, love. Oh,
0: Lord. The first no. time,
1: oh uh, yeah. See, the first time, I, I still loved it because I'm just like a lynch simp. But the second time, I was like, oh, my God, it actually makes sense. I never thought it would make sense, but it makes sense. Like,
0: Jerry, the, the things that make sense to you do not make sense <laughs> to, to the general populace, okay? I'm going to say – because Inland Empire is one of like the most – well, maybe – one of us is the outlier here, actually. I don't know which one it is. Because I was like, this movie is only, like that's like nightmare logic yeah, level of like, like you hang on to what resonates with you, but otherwise it's just kind of gibberish. No, you, you're or like an I, Alice in Wonderland. I would say I am the
1: outlier. I mean, I'm not the only one, of course, but people, right. whether you love this movie or hate this movie, like most people who love it, Say people love it and hate it for the same reason. People who love it and hate it both say, "I don't get it." But either I love but, it or I don't mm-hmm. get it, and it's stupid and it's nonsense, and I hate it, and it looks like crap, which I disagree with. Um, yeah, I love digital. Yeah, but
0: you're t- but you're telling me you're in a third category, which is that you love it and it makes sense.
1: It makes some that sense. Is- I don't I don't understand everything in it, All but right. I understand well, it. David enough. Lynch is certainly yeah. not
0: going to explain it to no. you. No, and thank God he is. He's completely against a uh, elaboration. Well, like, and
1: like you said, uh, this is like a get to know you kind of thing. And, and long days kind of fits in. I didn't want to pick a Lynch. I want to be that guy, but long days works because I love things. And I like, this one of my favorite things when I read, I love not understanding mm-hmm. because that means that I have something to learn.
0: Right. And that's like, but you don't, but you don't want it to be meaningless though. You no. are always looking for meaning. Yeah.
1: But if, if there's absolutely no meaning, it becomes much harder to be profound or, or, or resonate with me. Uh, it has happened. I can't think of examples off the top of my head. Um, maybe like Stan Brakhage. Like his movies really I don't, don't have. He's is. a guy. Yeah, you thought I tortured you with landscape? Ugh. Um, be glad I didn't pick Dog Star Man, um, which is silent <laughs> and seventy-five <laughs> minutes long. Uh, I don't know that his movies have uh, some of his. I don't know most of his movies have meaning. I mean, like a lot of his stuff mm-hmm. is like him hand painting on on frames of film like on on film he just paints on them Mm -hmm. and rolls it like but but you know and i do love sam brackage uh gotta be in the right mood but that's what i would say maybe there's no meaning there but yet it still resonates in some way and i mean i have people on letterboxd who really go way out there with stuff and at a certain point even i'm like okay i don't
0: i can't go that far with you man yeah yeah yeah, that's why I feel like I'm fairly vanilla in comparison to the average to the average watcher because I there's so much that I would draw the line at just because I'm both squeamish and I'm always I'm like hungry for dialogue so, and a lot of things are not chatty. No. Like a lot of a lot of when you get into like experimental stuff or you get into that what you're describing, especially vibes movies like even like something like Fallen Angels. I I, it's hard for me to have an in when when the story is not yeah no
1: I understand that um directed if 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 you're narrative driven see I I, I'm I'm kind of like I said a a paradox like I, I I I love like Heat is one of my favorite movies anything by Michael Mann pretty much but then at the same time I love Landscape Suicide so it's like I have to be in the right mood for either
0: all right, we're gonna go off to that one. Okay, so so the first one's Friends of Eddie Coil, which is very different from Long Day's Journey, which is a little bit I would say Lynchian, is what I a thought. A little of bit and, and well just as, this sort of catharsis. Well sort of yeah. Yeah. It's and, and it's it's cool. It's hot people smoking. Of course, one of my uh, favorite genres. A, me too. I I was just talking about this with AJ, and I was like, he loves that too, where it's just like Cemetery Man to me is like that is Pete. I, like, some, where, I like, like that movie a lot. I like it so much. And I love when he does it, when he first meets that chick and he's in his car and rolls down the window and then you yes. see. Uh, so that's a that's a win on this film. Um, okay, but then your last one, which I rewatched this morning, which is one of the um, most unique experiences I've ever had, is Landscape Suicide, uh, which is directed by James, James Benning, Benning from yeah. 86. Yeah. Um. This is a movie that you characterize as unspoilable, but I think it's also very, very difficult to describe. Even though you, yeah. you can't spoil it, but like try to tell, try to talk about what it is as closely as to how you would describe your interpretation of it. So
1: on the, I'll time. go on the surface, then I'll go. You know, that's how I like to do it.
0: Yeah. On yeah, the yeah.
1: surface, I would say it's simply, it's like a what's the word I'm looking for. What do they do with like true crime? You know, where they, Oh, it's like a desensationalized look at two true crime stories. One is not well known. It's uh, Bernadette proddy. I believe her name is. She stabbed a classmate. Uh, she was a bit of a lo- was a bit of a loner weirdo type. The classmate was your typical, you know, big haired 80s cheerleader. And yeah. she just stabbed her to death one night and it was unprompted and tragic. And they did a yep. Rolling Stone article on it. And that's how people... But people don't know it nowadays. I, that was in the 80s. Um, right. And then you have... a, But it was a pretty big deal at the time. Was it? I I, I would assume because it got in Rolling Stone. But yeah, um, I think that was like a wave of like children or kids. You know, like it probably went along with like the satanic panic and the all that stuff. I would assume um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, and then you have yeah. the second one, which is much more well-known, uh, Ed Gein, who was a real... Real real fine fellow. No, not really. He was a sick puppy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I read about him quite a bit this morning, which was is not pleasant. Oh god, um, I'm sorry. They're... You had to start
1: your day with that.
0: I <laughs> know. Oh, thanks, Jerry. Um, he was uh the inspiration for Psycho, for Norman Bates, uh the novel Anthem. Yep. Um he was the inspiration for Leatherface and for um the uh bill, um buffalo bill yeah in silence of the lambs um as well as a bunch of other stuff oh, yeah. house of a thousand corpses and uh, it gets
1: looser and looser as it goes i th- i know I think it's, yeah
0: but yeah it's mainly those three is what i read yep. and then um but, but i think the main similarity there is all the like the taxidermy or the the the, the skin parts and the the yeah. stuff that he did post-mortem is more what he's known for than being just like a straight-up serial killer type of... Yeah.
1: And also, like, It's, it's weird to compare him to... Well, I guess it works, but he was like a dunce. Like, he was a... Like, I don't even want to call him a dunce because actually, he, who knows what – he could have been diagnosed with something nowadays. So I don't even want to call him that.
0: Well, he was with schizophrenia. Well, no, no, no. But I mean, funny. like, he might
1: have had, like, a learning – dis. like, he might have been something oh. like that along mm-hmm. those lines. So I don't even want to call him anything because, you know, it's the 50s in Wisconsin. Who knows what – apart from psychopathy and schizophrenia, who knows what he had. Um, lots of trauma. Yeah. Well, we do know.
0: <laughs> a lot of problems with his mother, too, yeah. obviously. why Norman was – yeah. I mean, he literally, like, was trying to make – a bodysuit of his mother so that he could get in, in her skin. skin. Did so
1: you it. read the transcript from Landscape Suicide that they freeze on? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Jerry. <sighs> so, Jerry calling this a comfort film is somewhat disconcerting. Uh, so, Jerry, uh, what is your defense uh, uh, or explanation of why you find this comforting? You have to also mention the tennis. Yeah. Uh, scene that it opens with, and then just tell us how this movie feels. Um, because it, basically it's in the structure of like a documentary and sort of an Errol Morris, yeah, type yeah, of way. Definitely. It reminded me of, uh, like Thin Blue the line. recreations, uh, uh, yeah, um, the recreations and the sort of sensual. Sens- sens- oh my gosh!
1: Well, it's desensationalized, really.
0: Well, it's decent sens- since sens- I can't it's say the word. word. I know uh, what you're talking about. It, he, he, he's taking away from it, but then also dramatizing it.
1: He is dramatizing it. I mean, just it's the nature yeah. of the beast. Um,
0: yeah. So sensationalizing Yeah. That's
1: a, that's a go fun ahead. one. Um, so yeah. how can I, uh, well, I won't try and defend the serial killer aspect. The it's weird, part. but that's yeah. not why it's a comfort film. It just happens to okay, be about those things. What makes it a comfort <laughs> okay. film for me is the aesthetic. So, Outside of those two, I don't know how long they are, let's just say 20-minute chunks, the big chunks of the recreations of the interviews, it's mostly just landscape shots, hence the title. And Mm -hmm. it reminds me a lot, especially the first half, of early Hanukkah or Hanukkah, however you want to say it. Specifically the sort of formal sterility, is that a word? Mm. Sterileness Mm -hmm. of it. And the uh, austerity like how it's it's just presenting, and we don't really know why at first we don't know why we're seeing this sit go gas station or this school or these power lines there's a few frames in this movie that are burned into my brain. The power lines are one of them um Do you remember the it's like the big shot you can see the power lines, and the sky is like almost uncannily blue uh, mm-hmm. my My girlfriend always talks about how the a blue sky like that unsettles her, uh, which i don't feel, mm. but it's very interesting um to but I I can understand it because it's almost like a painting like you're looking up with a blue sky with clouds and it's just so clear and I think maybe Benning was but this is a movie where I can't say for sure whether he's doing what I think he's doing but what I think he's doing is showing the environments of these people the first one is like Mm -hmm. suburban California like upscale like a lot of the Golden State Warriors live in this area now like it's even the median income, I think, in the '80s was ninety-seven thousand dollars. The median, and then you have, on the total other side of the spectrum, nowhere Wisconsin, which is really poor and probably majority white and just isolated. Um, but it's showing, in a way, why these people may have done what they did in a on a level that you could never communicate with words, which is why he. There's no dialogue. It's just these landscapes and the sound, which I would love for this movie to get remastered because the sound is bad as it stands, but I think the sound's very important.
0: Especially in the first interview. Yes. The sound really struck me when he's interviewing um, Bernadette. Yeah. that, that, That there's this really weird... It's almost like... How you would hear something in a paranormal horror film? It's almost kind of of? stilted.
1: And if you listen... Yeah, if you listen, both the interviewer... This might have been an oversight. uh, But the interviewer and Bernadette both pronounce her name Kristen. And it's Kirsten. And the narrator, the lady who narrates the film, she says Kirsten later. So I don't know if that was an oversight or something about maybe they're especially the girl i was i was almost half hoping that the interviewer would say the name right because when the girl says it she's so like depersonalized she's out of her body i mean I she gets sick she gets the chills which as someone who's neurotic she to to the she's having a panic attack yeah like that's what's happening right um yeah she has to go to the bat. she gets sick i think um
0: yeah but there's like a very it's uh the line between reality and and that, that like I literally forgot that this was an actor. I seriously felt like I was watching the yes. killer talk. Yes. And it's it's very weird. It's weird. Because you're 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 aware that like this is a paid actor, but also you're kind of not and a non-professional. Because, she
1: she has no other credits.
0: Yeah, but it's really, really
1: unsettling. It is and with Gein, especially like for anyone who like has an inkling of that serial, you know, w- Americans are weird. They're like obsessed with serial killers. And he's kind of I- iconic in a way or infamous. Uh, yeah. uh, so when we yeah, see the is. actor who plays Gein, who does a fine job, um, at more than fine, I would say, we don't think of him as Gein, especially because Gein's face is iconic. But uh, if I think of that Bernadette Pradi, I think of that girl in the film and the real her Looks the real person looked way like she had like a kind of evilness, even though we only kind of see her inside profile because uh, they mm. show a picture of her being led by a policeman. Um,
0: yeah, I saw that. But This
1: girl yeah. that they got, she almost looks like your typical all American.
0: And that's what I think people are obsessed with is people get obsessed with true crime because it's like this could be your next door neighbor. Yeah. Uh, that's the element that I think is so terrifying in, and like uh, morbidly fascinating. Yes. It's like, well, if this person can do it, anyone can, but also you.
1: Can. I was going to, yes, and, that's the biggest part, I think.
0: And yeah, and that's the biggest And And like you, like, we don't know how environments, uh, landscapes, how the person, nature versus nurture, like, what contributed to this person being able to do this very violent thing and how much of that was a contributing factor. Yeah, yeah. could it just be be the
1: view of a house from a street? Could that have had a deeply subconscious effect? What you were saying about why people – I think when people are confronted with their sort of shadow, uh, they become incredibly Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, and I understand that. Uh and I do too. Um, but I think it's important in a way to to kind of confront that. And yes. I challenge anyone who is brave enough well, not brave, but who wants to sit through ninety minutes of a totally non narrative film. I commend you if you do, and I appreciate it. But if you do, I challenge you not to identify a little bit with her with what she yeah. says. I mean unless you were like Joe or Joe popular, which okay. Right. But uh even if you were good for you. Yeah, good for you, yeah. <laughs> Um, even if you were underneath everyone, everybody has feelings of inferiority and feelings of this person thinks I'm weird. And it's so to listen to her say that she basically, she doesn't, she doesn't know why she killed this girl, but to listen to her say, like, she basically killed her because she didn't want her to tell everyone she was weird. Think of the fear that would motivate that you that would have to be so strong that you would murder someone. I mean, that's ins- it's literally insane, but it's just, uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> But at the same time, it's like, so, so my buddy Kurt had a great, I wrote this down because I, I loved his review that I read this morning, but he was saying, like, not every killer is an insane lunatic. That One of the things that this does actually point out that I think is very good is, like, if she can do it, anyone can, yeah. that whole thing. And then also that, like – she the way that she describes it is like she doesn't remember it didn't seem real the reason she was able to go back to school is because she was able to block it out and I wonder like not to this extent obviously but it made me think like how many bad things or ways that we hurt others do we do because we are able to sort of switch that like shut that down like, no I'm not not even just like rationalization but just like cut it off and don't let yourself think about it or don't let yourself dwell yeah
1: um, I don't know enough about her psychological profile know how much is out there but I yeah. would say that it's either one of two things either she's a sociopath and she was mm-hmm. just bullshitting for lack of a better word or she yeah. was completely de uh, not deperson well depersonalized but the other word I'm, I'm trying to think when you're dissociating She was completely out of herself and this fear drove her, you know, fight or flight drove her so far that it like ticked something in her brain and she was gone for however long it took to kill this girl and go home. And, And who knows how long she may have been gone during the interview, uh, or at least not to, you know, not there to the extent that she would have been a year before the crime. Um, yeah. But I, want, I, I I don't want to get too hung up on the serial killer thing because it is – it the movie, there's two scenes in particular that almost make me cry. Not like weep, but like are just so profound, uh, especially the one in the first half. So the, the structure of this movie is almost like a warped mirror. If you look mm-hmm. at the structure of the first and the second, they're not identical, but there's the religious rambling in the car on both – uh, there's the landscape shots before and after there's um, the gutting of the deer at the end and the tennis scene at the beginning, um, which I'll go back to, cause I know you want me to talk about that. Um, and then there are these two scenes that incorporate music. The yes. first scene incorporates memory. memory. And then the second one, I don't know who sings the version of Tennessee waltz, the old country Western song. The, the version with, or the, the scene with memory is so strikingly profound to me because I interpret that as Kirsten Kostas or whatever her name is. To me, that's her. That's this girl who was murdered. You know, she's, 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 uh, you know, conventionally pretty. She's got the big hair. She's wearing clothes that a poor person wouldn't have. She's in a nice room. She's got a phone in her room in the eighties. That meant you had some money. And yet we don't hear anything she's saying. We don't need to because it doesn't matter. It matters what she's doing. She's chatting. She's laughing. And all the while, I don't know if it's diegetic or not, if her record player is playing this song, but it's- Or we're just hearing it. Yeah, but it's said that at the funeral, at her funeral, it was played. So I assume that either she liked the song or that was what uh, See You Again is now. It's just played it. It's like the stock funeral song. You know the the Fast and Furious song? That plays it like every yes. funeral now, if you
0: yeah. or, Charlie yeah. P. Oh God.
1: Yeah. I hate that song. Not just yeah. because it played at funerals. Yes.
0: Anyway. Paul Walker died.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then it's and just the lyrics. And anyway, so but I either memory was that, I wasn't alive, or it's specific to her. But whatever the case, that scene just makes me it just I almost get the chills and tear up a little bit. Because we're looking in my mind, how I interpret it is we're looking at that girl, the girl who was killed before she obviously was killed. Um, did you get, do, do you think that that's just me interpreting it in my own way or?
0: No, I think it's, it almost reminds me of like how Sophia Coppola would do it. Definitely. Like it, it feels, it feels very female, um, uh, like female energy, but also like innocence. Yeah. In a way or like just, um, Just like that cheerleader, but not like like a wholesomeness still intact. Where the person's still young enough to where they haven't like veered off, and they're happy just talking to a girlfriend over the phone. It feels very and how it ends
1: with her in a fit of laughter. It's Mm -hmm. it's incredibly kind of chilling. Yeah, I don't know why. I think the main reason I picked this is because I just like to talk about it.
0: Uh, I know I was like Jerry (laughs) Jerry just wants everybody to watch this it's like yeah it's it's like oh well yeah it's comforting but also I I could understand the comfort part in terms of it's like it does unfold at a very um it's not it's not in your face it's not like oh and and the interview in the first half too where it keeps cutting uh kind of felt like blinking yeah Uh, And I and I like that about it. Like he didn't need to do that because this isn't real footage, but it does give it that authentic sort of feel where it just feels like And
1: I've read that. And I don't know if this is true. There's not that much out there about this movie, but I've read somewhere that both interviews are from transcripts. They're word perfect.
0: Yeah, I would assume that he would do that. That that Ben it goes with
1: the sort of desensationalizing.
0: And there could be an argument
1: for there this movie being sensational, but that's kind of the nature of the piece. It's an interesting paradox there to work through. Um
0: That's why I always think of Morris, who I read or Errol Morris and Herzog were going to make a, a movie about Ed. Oh my god. And they, they actually they were going to like dig up his mother. Ah, uh, of
1: course they um, were. Herzog. Yeah. I love Herzog. And then
0: they they abandoned the project. Yeah. Uh, Probably but, for the uh, best. Morris had, Morris had actually met with him multiple times and interviewed him, um, but it, there, it gets a, like your review. It was excellent uh, in terms of you saying like talking about America, talking about rural America, but also like suburban our, America. What do we say? What does it say about us as a, both a culture, but then also like our capacity for evil, which I. I like the balance there between the two things that I feel like he's highlighting yeah. because it's it's asking two different things, but like sort of unflinchingly, where you can't just ignore it. And you're looking at sites where people died. Yeah. Uh and like we we just drive around all the time and think like we're just on our route to the grocery store or whatever. We don't know what terrible things we're, have happened in the spaces yeah, around us. Yeah, we're
1: solipsists by nature. I mean, we are we exist as we, and, you know, it makes sense. It's a lot to balance, you know, especially someone like me. I, I'm an erotic. I, I have trouble going to the grocery store sometimes, depending on the day. So, yeah. God forbid, I've got to think about all this other crap. I've got to remember what I need to get. I've got to not have a breakdown when I'm around 50 people. Thankfully, I live in a somewhat rural area, so it's not that bad. But, like, my girlfriend lives yeah. near D.C., and when I go to see her, It's like, there's a lot of people. I mean, I I remember not too long ago, I went to an airport to pick up my cousin for a a family vacation. And I had Mm -hmm. never been in an airport before because I live, I don't, you know, and walking in there, it was claustrophobic yet, you know, we walked into the international port, which is huge. I don't know how I felt claustrophobic in a huge area. In an open space. It was such a, again, a paradox. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Uh, and I, I was just so – and I remember I, like, put my feet up and, like, put my hands on my chest and just listened to, like, silly – I don't know, some comedian or something. And I just – I felt better eventually, but I was just like, oh, my God, this is unsettling. Um,
0: it, You're reminding me also of, like, The Vanishing where it's like a, a terrible God, thing happens movie. at a gas station. I do too. And and that's also the ser- sort of um the normal ambiance yeah. where you could, like, go somewhere that is – just normally, like a stopping point for most people, it's very ordinary, and then something happens. Structurally, I think uh, that movie
1: is masterful how it unfolds. I know
0: it is so, and good.
1: the end, especially the oh, end. Yeah, I was gonna say, oh, that, talk about a stomach turner! Um, is there a drop of blood in that movie? I don't think no, so. No,
0: And there's actually, I don't think we see any violence committed whatsoever. Do we? Uh,
1: he might like? If I'm remembering, chloroform somebody might- and put him in a trunk, which is violent, right. but like. Other than that, no. There's not a drop of blood in that movie.
0: And it's very similar to this in the sense that it's like, here's an ordinary person. And that is, I don't know if there's anything scarier, especially in like our culture now, where you being around normal people, you could not know them.
1: And the mass shooter thing, you know, know, who's who's nuts? Who's going to walk into a Walgreens and just start... You know
0: it's yeah, or what do you what do you really know about anybody? No, yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> and this is this is will be a good thing to talk about during Sex Lies and Videotape, uh, in that realm. Oh, yeah, in that, those murky waters. Yeah. Uh, but you, Jerry, <laughs> what you talked about, what you talked about, uh, what led us to what we were just saying is what I think the yeah. opening encapsulates so well to where. Mm. We see a woman serving, I think it's, I don't know, tennis, I think it's a flat serve, just a regular, she's just serving the tennis ball over and over and over again. And if you watch, they use the cuts again. He uses the cuts, same kind that he uses in the proddy interview. Does he use them in the Gein interview as much? I don't think so. Not as much, not nearly. And I don't know why, that's something on my fifth watch, I'll have to try and figure that out. But, uh, and- It seems like he he could, she could just be serving over and over, and it's just the same shot. It's the same two serves, but it's not because if you watch the balls, they're going down, and Mm -hmm. then he cuts. It's a, I don't know if it's a harder cut than the others, but it feels like it's a harder cut to the other side of the court. And all these tennis balls are there, and we see a couple more pop, you know, add to the pile, and then it just hangs on that, and she stops serving. Right. Right. And I use the. I don't know if it would be a a metaphor or what it would be a visual metaphor for all of the stuff that we go through every day, whether consciously something that irritates us or something or subconscious things that just add up in our lives. And I go into that in the review. It's not something I could really speak the way I I wrote it, but these things that pile up and we don't necessarily know what they are. Or why they affect us the way they do, but they could turn us into something evil, which is terrifying. Um, and I'm again regretting picking this as a why. comfort movie.
0: <laughs> I know, Jerry. I, well, the the thing about it is, it's I think maybe it's just it's it's like it's like anti-comfort in subject matter, but I do think you're onto something. There is a common thread, I felt, because I watched your movies in pretty rapid succession. Like, uh, normally I would span it over yeah. a week, but I did it in a couple of days. And I felt like the common thread there was the way they feel. Yeah. And so that I can understand. My, of the being the sort aesthetic
1: of like, uh, values. Yeah.
0: Be, being lulled or, like, spellbound almost in a way. But all of them have pretty, like, serious.
1: Yeah. I mean, Long Days, I would say, is the least visceral, perhaps. Right. Um, right. Despite Long Days, I mean, none of them really have upsetting, like, there's no, we don't need any trigger warnings for this episode for anyone. But right. Long Days, I mean, he grabs a girl by the hair. Uh, the guy is basically holding her against her will. It's, it's not really, but it's, that's the most that, but yet all of these films are very, like, dark in a way. But, but at the same yeah. time, Long Days is like catharsis, pure catharsis for me. Like I find, mm-hmm. and like, I'm glad we, you brought it back up because I didn't mention the, the very end. And I wanted to make note of the very end. I believe, and I'd love to get your take, when that sparkler burns out and it cuts to black, it's like the end of The Sopranos, except Sopranos, he gets killed. But in this movie, he wakes mm-hmm. up. That's what I think. I think he wakes right. up. In the movie theater, yes. in a daze, and goes about his futile search of this woman who he didn't know, really.
0: It's it's the whole thing of, like, some people hate that trope where it was all a dream. Um, me Myself included, because it seems like a cop-out. But in this instance, I feel like we were set up properly to where someone saying it was all a dream is not just an annoying contrivance. No. Like, this is actually... No, we we pro- we probably were aware that it was yeah. going to be, or at least that it was going to be a, um, a movie, but it wasn't really, really, really happening. Whereas I think when the rugs pulled out from under you, and it's like, oh well, this is just a dream surprise. That's very well. Know. And how much? Yeah, so I, I agree. I think no, I, I think it was. That I'm way.
1: totally with you. And I think the amount of thought that went into what was repurposed from the first half by mm-hmm. his subconscious, for people right. to ideas to. Uh, I don't know if the flying thing was when they fly, and uh, but like his son or his, you know, it's thought to be his son or implied this kid living in this. I mean, that's how your mind would process that if you thought you had some long lost son, but didn't know he's living in a mine and he's wearing this, what is up with the cow head or whatever mask so much. That's just what your mind, we can't explain that, but you've right. had a dream like that, right? Or something to where... You know, there's some weird thing.
0: You're like, why did my subconscious bring this into my memory or dress it up in this
1: sort of way? There's the direct things that you, yeah, very Lynchian. yeah. And speaking of Lynchian, we'll go back to uh, Landscape Suicide, the scene where the woman's dancing to Tennessee Waltz, Mm -hmm. that's straight out of Lynch. And I don't think purposefully at all. I don't think Benning would ape from Lynch consciously, but it touches on that same thing. Um, I want to know, did you like the movie?
0: Yes, and this is what we're going to end on because otherwise, Jerry and I are going to be here for three hours, uh, which is lovely. But, <laughs> uh, um, Jerry, did I like Landscape Suicide? I would say that it is an experience that everyone should have who cares about films. I agree. Who's serious? Um, I think that it's, if you don't know anything going in, you are in danger of feeling like no. You're in danger of thinking that he's interviewing the actual yeah. people, which is which is actually what I thought until I looked it yeah. up, and then I and, and then it was like, oh, this is an actor. I felt that for the first half. I thought that she was the girl who had killed her. So in that sense, um, it's a little bit like it's jarring and and it decenters you and makes you think different things, which. I think it's worthwhile. Yeah.
1: And there's so, yeah, also, I'm would say i, I I'm glad you did. Cause I was worried. I, you know, yeah. there's another movie I love called sleep has her house, which is way less narrative than this. Um, I actually know, well, I don't know him, but I've chatted with the guy who made that. He's a really cool guy. Scott Barley is his name. Oh, cool. yeah. He, uh, awesome. he's great. And, uh, I would recommend that only because it's great and I think it should be seen, but like, there's not a word of dialogue.
0: I'm going to pay one of you Whoever's listening to to this right now To write down every single movie title That Jerry and I have mentioned In this episode I'm pretty sure that that was a record That'll be a CVS receipt Uh,
1: length list
0: Yeah Of all the movies that we love Um, It has been an absolute pleasure Just to recap everybody um, Friends of Eddie Coyle Long Day's Journey Into Night Landscape Suicide Make Jerry happy Watch them please You want to see those reviews Yes Watch them please And, uh, see you at the movies.